Welcome to these Bible lessons on the Old Testament. In these lessons, we'll cover God's magnificent creation of all the world, including the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. We'll follow with the sad fall of man in paradise and the consequences this brought to the world. In the continuing lessons, we'll teach how God visits men with the revelation of His covenant of grace. When we travel together through the entire Old Testament, we see God visiting His nation of Israel with revelations of this covenant of grace, pointing constantly to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome to Lesson 17 in our Old Testament Bible History series. The title of this lesson is Abram's Faith Tested and God's Provision. I invite you to follow along in Genesis chapter 21 and 22 of your Bible. Before we begin, I'd like to imagine that you're in a line to receive a free gift. And as the line continues, you see that they might run out of free gifts by the time you get to the table. And as you're going through the line, suddenly a little child cuts in front of you into the line. And you, being much older, don't want to seem like a bully, so you leave the little child in the line. But then as you come to the table, the very last gift is given to the child in front of you, and you walk away with nothing. How would you feel towards that little child? Jealousy? Anger? That they have taken something that you should have gotten? Try to keep that in mind as we learn about this story about the relationship between Ishmael and Isaac. The next thing I'd like you to think about is, is if you're traveling along on a highway in a taxi. It's a brilliantly clear, sunny day, not a cloud in sight, very bright. And then your taxi driver does something very odd. He reaches forward and he turns the car's headlights on, saying, there, now they can see me better. Well, that seems very odd because it's a very clear day. And then the taxi driver does something else. They, they take their glasses off or they take their sunglasses off. So there seems to be some very odd decisions by this taxi driver that don't make sense. And you ask the taxi driver about it, and the only response is, just wait, you'll see. And so then the car, the taxi, goes around a curve in the highway, and the car enters a very dark tunnel. Now the taxi driver looks very smart, putting the headlights on so he can be seen in the tunnel, taking his sunglasses off so that he can see clearly in the dark tunnel. Try to keep that image in mind as we go through the story of Abraham and Isaac later on because there's going to be some decisions that seem kind of puzzling. But if we wait until the end, then we can see that they make a lot of sense. 
Okay, let's join our story. The camp of Abraham and Sarah is rejoicing. You can, you can hear it. People are singing. They're so happy. What's this for? Well, do you hear? Sarah and Abraham have received a son, Isaac. They've been waiting 25 years. And finally, Isaac has been born. Of any other birth in the, that occurs in the Bible, I can only think that the birth of the Lord Jesus was received with more joy and rejoicing than the birth of Isaac was. You see, there they are in this camp, and people are rejoicing because Isaac has been born. But not everybody is happy. Look over here. There's a mother speaking to her son. That's Hagar and Ishmael. And she says, Ishmael, do you understand what this means? This means that you are no longer going to inherit all of Abraham's possessions. You will not get all these riches. You're just going to be a slave son. Ishmael scowls angrily. Soon, within a couple of years, there's another feast. And this is a feast that Abraham has thrown for his son because no longer is Isaac only drinking milk, but he is now eating solid food. He's healthy enough to do that. Isaac is probably, probably at least three years old at this time. And at this type of feast, it was the custom for the patriarch to present the, the heir, the, the one who had received the inheritance, to the entire camp. And so imagine that Isaac, small Isaac, is brought in some type of ceremonial robe and presented and set before the entire camp as the heir to Abraham's possessions. People are loving this because Abraham is old. He has been taking care of them for so long, and now there is an heir to take care of them when Abraham dies. What happiness! But at this feast, something happens. You can read about it in chapter 21, verse 9. There we read that Ishmael, the son of Hagar the Egyptian, is bullying Isaac. The reason that Ishmael is described as the son of Hagar the Egyptian is because later the nation of Egypt would persecute the nation of Israel for 400 years. Paul even writes about this uh, persecution of Isaac by Ishmael in Galatians 4, verse 29. There we read that he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Even so, it is now. There are no names of Ishmael and Isaac here. But it's an example for us of Christian persecution. You see, Ishmael is an example of the seed of the serpent persecuting the seed of the woman. It's an example of Christian persecution that happens today in countries all over the world, maybe even in the country where you are. And Sarah sees this bullying by Ishmael, and she pleads with Abram, send Hagar and Ishmael away. Abram, of course, resists. Ishmael is his son, after all. But God clears it up for him. 
And we read that God also instructed Abraham and said, it's good and proper that Ishmael is sent away. And so Abraham sends away Hagar and Ishmael with some bread and water. And then we read at the beginning of chapter 22 in verse 1 that after these things, God did tempt Abraham. Now, the word tempt here means that God is going to test the quality of Abraham's faith. He is not going to try to trick Abraham into doing evil. Now, Abraham has one son. He has sent the other son away. He has one son, the son of the promise, the son of the covenant, the son that he loves so much. And God says, take him. Take your only son, the son that you love so much, and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. That may sound very odd and very puzzling to hear, but let's wait until the end of the story because then it will become clear why he's given this command. Now, I want to be clear. Child sacrifice is something that God absolutely hates. But in this story, Abraham's faith is going to be tested. And that's why God gives him this strange command. Well, I can find the answer to this type of test in 1 Peter 1 verse 7. And I read there that the trial, the test, the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. If you have... If you would like your muscles to grow, you need to exercise your muscles. And so Abram's faith, in order for it to grow, needs to be exercised. It needs to be tested. Abraham follows obediently. He gathers together some servants, his son Isaac, some wood and fire, some pack animals, And they set off. They travel about 80 kilometers and arrive at the destination God shows them on the third day. And there he tells the servants, Isaac and I will come again to you. You stay here. We have a solemn picture here. Abraham comes to one of the pack animals, takes the wood off, and he lays that wood on Isaac's shoulders and on his back. The father brings along the fire and the knife and they begin walking forward. They're soon out of sight of the servants. And now Isaac looks at his father and he has a question. He says, Father, everything is here. The wood, the fire, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answers this question, no doubt, thinking how serious this is. He answers the question and says, Isaac, my dear son, God will provide himself a lamb for the offering. Satisfied, Isaac accepts this answer and they continue walking and soon they're at the top of this mountain. Abraham works to build an altar. He lifts the wood off of Isaac and places it on top of the altar 
And then he looks at his dear son, his only son, his beloved son. And he tells Isaac, Isaac, my dear son, you are the sacrifice. He binds Isaac and then he gently and lovingly lifts Isaac and places him on top of the altar. We read nothing in the Bible about Isaac crying for help or pleading to be spared. At this time, I think that Abraham probably is remembering what, he, what we can read in Genesis 17, verse 19. Remember, God had told Abraham, Thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him and an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And so Abraham sees this. He, see, he, he remembers this promise that the covenant would be established with Isaac and with Isaac's seed. And yet he has his beloved son on the altar. Here is his son, the joy of Sarah, the son of the covenant bound upon the altar. The future depends upon Isaac, but yet the command of God is to give him back to God. If we read in Hebrews 11 verse 19, we can read how strong Abraham's faith was. Abraham believed that even if Isaac was dead, God could raise him from the dead. Abram's faith was strong. And there we see Abram in front of the altar. His hand with the knife is raised. And then God calls to Abraham. Now I know that you fear God, Abraham. The test of faith has been passed. It's clear to God that Abraham fears and loves God. Now there's no need for Isaac to be sacrificed anymore because the test has been passed. No sacrifice of Isaac is necessary. And as Abraham lifts his eyes, he sees a ram hanging in a bush. He's caught in that thicket. And so that ram is taken by Abraham and substituted for Isaac and sacrificed on this altar. Abraham names this place Jehovah Jireh, for there the Lord will provide. At this time, the covenant that God made with Abraham is again repeated to him, and a detail is added to that. Abraham is assured that his descendants will be victorious over their enemies, the Canaanites, when they enter the promised land. So let's move to our conclusion now. This has been a long story. And so we're just going to look now at how this is connected to redemption and salvation. We're going to look at why was it necessary for Hagar and Ishmael to be sent away? What does that mean? The answer can be found in Romans 9 verse 7. There we read, neither because they are the seed of Abram are they all children, but instead in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So there we can see that in order to establish and preserve and keep the covenant, it was necessary for Ishmael to be sent away. 
Ishmael was not one of the chosen covenant people, but the promise was going to be in Isaac. Next, let's revisit the journey that Isaac and his father Abraham are making up this mountain. And there, and when we do that, we're going to look at this idea of one thing being substituted for another. The idea of substitution is a very necessary one to explore here. First, let's look at Isaac. As he's going up this hill, he's carrying wood on his shoulders and on his back. There are no cries for help, no pleas for his for, for an escape. He is showing his own faith through his obedience to his father, Abraham. Next, let's jump ahead many years when the Lord Jesus, on a hill very close to this one, is carrying his own cross, his own wooden cross on his back. The Lord Jesus is the suffering servant, and he also went willingly, obeying the will of his father. Third, let's look at Isaac again. Isaac is bound, he is bound upon the altar, and there we see a ram being substituted in place of Isaac. But many years later, when Christ was fastened to the cross, there was no escape for him at all because Christ is the substitute for his covenant people. Christ suffered in place of his people. And so we see here that God provides a substitute in Christ for the salvation of his people. And the Lord Jesus Christ knew that as he walked across this earth because when he's teaching his disciples, he says in Mark 10, verse 45, he says to his disciples, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And the word minister means serve. So he says the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. So, the Lord Jesus Christ is the ransom that is given for many. The word redemption, or which means paying a ransom price to free or to save someone else, is very important here because redemption is made possible because Christ is the ransom offering and the price that he paid was his death and suffering. Christ paid that ultimate price to set his covenant people free. Years later, upon this mountain, the temple in Jerusalem was built here where there would be sacrifices offered every day until finally, on a hill nearby, the Lord Jesus was offered as the final and the all-sufficient sacrifice. So in conclusion, we see in this story that Abram's faith is tested and that God provides a substitute. 
Here we see that this story and its lessons are pointing to God's provision of the Lamb of God as a substitute for his covenant people. In our next lesson, we're going to walk along with Isaac and experience with him this remarkable way in which he meets his wife, Rebecca.